there, there are a lot of great large, larger than life companies that have a lot of information on acquisition, on um, listings, market trends, uh, behavior, um, and even predictive in that front. And there, there was not a lot of uh, activity on the tech side or data side on new development. Mm -hmm. uh, because zoning, uh, which is an ordinance that is specific to every single municipality, had not been digitized yet. So as one of our kind of barriers to entry, we digitize over 200 zoning ordinances across the country and we're using artificial intelligence to automate that process and hopefully get all 3,500 major cities, cities that have over 50,000 um, population, completely digitized. So then for the first time we can begin to compare cities, we can begin to suggest things that are working in one city that would work in another city. Good morning and welcome to Deconstruct, a podcast from The Real Deal. It's Monday, January 5th. We're your hosts. I'm Susanna Cavanaugh. And I'm Isabella Farr. I hope everyone's getting back into the swing of things after the holidays. I know that I'm sure brokers were rushing to close deals pretty quick and I'm sure that they were back on the phones January 1st. Yeah, definitely. I talked to one broker who was trying to close something like a few hours before end of day, the day before New Year's Eve. So I mean, not surprising, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always, always, a, there's always a hustle there. So today we'll be airing the final recording from our Miami Forum in November. That's our interview with Olivia Ramos, the founder of Deep Blocks. Deep Blocks is sort of similar to Kaizen, which we profiled a couple weeks ago. Deep Blocks is a tool for developers. Um, the difference between the two is that Deep Blocks specifically targets the difficulties around zoning. Right. So for any city that a developer wants to build in, there is this patchwork of zoning codes that it's forced to navigate. Which is a pain, to put it lightly. Right. DeepBlocks cuts through that red tape by allowing developers to search for sites that fit a certain property type. It's allowable buildable area, market rates for area sale, or rents. And DeepBlocks also produces 3D project models that developers can use to lay out building plans. So a time saver and therefore, obviously, a money saver. So we chatted with Olivia about the intricacies of the AI, of course, but also got into a deeper discussion about how she thinks AI and real estate is set to expand over the next few years. And also the fears surrounding that expansion, which was interesting because I feel like our audience is definitely aware of them, but people, I, it, it was good to talk to someone who's sort of on the other side of AI and like hear what they have to say about it, you know? Absolutely. So first, here's our top news of last week. Susanna, I wanted to start with you. You had a succession-esque fraud story last week. Yeah, that was a juicy one. Um, sort of, it had like everything you had won out of a lawsuit. So tell us what happened there. Sure. So it's about Black Spruce Management, which is this firm run by Josh Gottlieb. Um, they're New York based. They made a really big splash over the past like five years or so doing these huge multifamily deals. Um, so $850 million for the American Copper Buildings they paid in 2021. Those are two luxury towers in Murray Hill. And Black Spruce, if I remember correctly, was the buyer on that $1.8 billion multifamily deal on the Upper East Side a few years ago, right? 
Yes, they teamed with Meyer Orbach, Orbach Affordable Housing Solutions, and bought 1,700 units. That's how big the portfolio was from the Solaviv Group. So they're definitely big spenders here. Right. But the source of Gottlieb's capital was kind of this running mystery. Um, senior reporter Rich Bachman profiled him two years ago, actually. He was just 36 at the time. Um, and Rich reported that even New York's biggest brokers didn't know where Gottlieb got his money. So does this suit point to where? Yeah, in a way. So the suit was brought by Gottlieb's partner's widow, Gottlieb's partner's widow, sorry, long chain of relations. But she alleges that Gottlieb was tapping this family trust that his partner, Oliver Legg, had signed over to Gottlieb before the partner died in 2015. Um but allegedly, he was doing some shady things with that money. The complaint claims he, Gottlieb signed over Black Spruce and another management firm that were both owned by the trust to himself so he could pocket management fees. And he had represented to the widow that both of those businesses were bleeding money, which they weren't. Um, he also used the trust to buy properties and make loans, some of which he defaulted on. So gives us sort of an idea of where some of the capital came from. His comment from a spokesperson on the suit is that the claims are, quote, demonstrably false, contrived, baseless. And he said they're especially sad because he and Oliver Legg, that's his deceased partner, again, they, quote, were like brothers. Speaking of Solaviv, reporter Harrison Connery broke the news that our recent Coverboy star is suing A&E Real Estate Management. Oh, yeah. What are the details there? So Solaviv filed the case alleging non-payment for an apartment building in Yorkville. Solaviv had planned to sell the majority stake in 501 East 87th Street to A&E. And A&E would have assumed about $61 million in loans with the deal. So I'm guessing A&E reneged on the deal. Yeah. So Solaviv alleges A&E agreed to the deal last February, but then tried to back out, claiming there was asbestos in the building. This is Stefan Solaviv, chairman of the eponymous firm, says that there's not. He claims A&E couldn't find financing for the deal. So what does Solaviv want? He's suing for a $7 million deposit that is still in escrow, plus punitive damages and legal costs. A&E, which said it already put $7 million down, wants that money back. Mm, okay tug of war over seven million yeah so moving on the original home of the barney's department store sold at auction this week at a hefty discount ah yeah i saw that um that was ben ashkenazi's right yes so ashkenazi paid 57 million dollars for the building in 2014 then he defaulted on the property's 46 million dollar loan in 2020 argentic investment management the lender filed to foreclose in 2023 and it sold for $22 million, so less than half of what Ashkenazi paid and much less than the loan was worth. Mm. And I want to do a roundup of top news in some of our other cities that we don't touch on as much. That's one of my podcast resolutions for the year is to uh, take a more national scope. I'll join you in that. I think, you know, we definitely want to highlight our other cities here. So we had a fun ranch story in Texas. Ranches actually saw incredible demand through the pandemic. I guess there's no, that's not really a surprise. You know, we definitely saw people move into kind of bigger lots and wanted to be away from the city and wanted more land access to nature. So we took a look at some of the biggest ranch sales. NFL legend Terry Bradshaw sold his, which technically isn't in Texas. It's actually about a half an hour drive from Dallas in Oklahoma, but he let it go for $22.5 Pretty big deal. 
Yeah, definitely. I'll also highlight Catherine Kalogis' profile of South Florida developer David Martin, which ran in our January magazine that is now live. His firm is Terra, and he has about a dozen developments in the pipeline in the Sunshine State. They run the gamut, retail, office, hotel, condos, apartments, <laughs> basically everything under the under the real estate sun. But notably, Terra also built the tower next to Champlain Towers South, the condo tower that collapsed in Surfside in 2021. He was sued as part of a class action suit brought by the families. And the profile is a great nitty gritty into how Martin works and thinks. I highly recommend. Same here. All right, let's get into our chat with Olivia Ramos, CEO and founder of DeepBlocks. My name is Olivia Ramos. I'm the CEO of DeepBlocks. Um, so you're speaking at our AI event tomorrow. What are you expecting out of that? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, we're very excited to show um, showcase a lot of our data infrastructure and our software products. Um, but it'll be more educational on what it takes to extract that data, how to make that data work, and mm. how to get that data to bring insights that have never been seen before. Um, and I'm expecting like a lot of other participants that are going to bring in kind of what the latest and greatest is. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited to be part of that and to also see what's going on in, in the other aspects. Right, yeah. Is there a big community among the different companies that have launched new tech recently or do you feel like you all are sort of separate? I feel like specifically uh, PropTech that's focused on new development, mm -hmm. and new construction. Um, it, we're kind of a cohort that started at the same time in a way. Mm. We're all around like 20, between 2013, 2016. Um, and so everybody's fairly young. Maybe a few Series A have been raised, mm -hmm. uh, but no large established uh, company yet, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah, nascent. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about how Deep Blocks got started? And I know that you have a background in real estate personally, so a little about that as well. Sure. Yeah, I, I went to school in Miami in Designer Architecture Senior High. I have a bachelor's in architecture from University of Miami, mm -hmm. excuse me, from University of Florida, a master's in architecture from Columbia University, a second master's in real estate development from the University of Miami. Uh, and I worked in development and architecture and construction um, in brokerage and really got a feel for how everybody comes together or at the time at least I felt like everybody wasn't really coming together. Mm. So I left the industry and designed big data navigation software for the Department of Defense under the DARPA Innovation House and then took that project to Singularity University in the Bay Area where DeepBlocks was born and, mm -hmm. and it was a mixture of this wave of uh, this craze on big data at the time, exponential technologies, with you know my background in architecture, and that was the birth of, of creating an AI that would encompass all the disciplines in one. Mm. How do you define big data? What it, what is that to you? Yeah, I mean, so big data when in 2012 when I was uh, at DARPA, mm -hmm. uh, the conversation was around having so much information and not enough tools to bring the insights out of those information. Mm. Uh, so for example, let's say after an X amount of time, every single phone conversation has been recorded. Uh -huh. um, how do you get the insights from that? And, and at the time, the question was, if you're looking for something specific, it's easy to find it. But if you're trying to find opportunities, what are those tools that take all of that data um, 
qualify it in a way mm -hmm. and then ask questions to be able to get answers that you wouldn't be looking for. Mm. And so big data is this like chunk of information that we don't know what to ask of it. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess what sort of gap were you looking to fill with deep blocks yeah, on great. the real estate? Yeah. Um, great question. I, there, there are a lot of great large larger than life companies that have a lot of information on acquisition, on um, listings, market trends, uh, behavior, um, and even predictive in that front. And there, there was not a lot of uh, activity on the tech side or data side on new development. Mm -hmm. uh, because zoning, uh, which is an ordinance that is specific to every single municipality, had not been digitized yet. So as one of our kind of barriers to entry, we digitize over 200 zoning ordinances across the country and we're using artificial intelligence to automate that process and hopefully get all 3,500 major cities, cities that have over 50,000 um, population, completely digitized. So then for the first time we can begin to compare cities, we can begin to suggest things that are working in one city that would work in another city. But right now what we could do is we can scan a city and say, where can we build affordable housing? Where can we build um, multifamily and industrial? Mm -hmm. And before that, you, you, you wouldn't be able to ask such questions. Got it. Um, and can you talk about the role of zoning in development and how crucial it is? Yeah, it's everything. <laughs> zoning holds the future. Mm. Um, so right now, let's say you get a, a few listings um, land listings or existing buildings, you need an architect or you need to read through a 400-page zoning ordinance to understand what is allowed there, to see if there's a development capacity, to see if you've already maximized your zoning, uh, to see you know what's allowed. And so if you wanted to look at that for, let's say, a 10 by 10 block area, mm -hmm. an architect would have to do you know hundreds of iterations or hundreds of, of studies just to see like what is my best option in this market I've identified as fruitful. Um, so zoning, digitization of zoning allows us to have that information for every single parcel in every single neighborhood and very quickly understand the capacity of the city. Hmm. You talked to me about that earlier this summer in Miami specifically and just like how much it simplifies the process. Can you offer, I guess, sort of like a case study or a walkthrough of what deep blocks could accomplish if I were a developer looking to build on a site in Miami and I used this tech? Yeah, I'll give you a very relevant uh, one that I'll be presenting some of that tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> give us a preview. Yeah, so so we looked at every single property in the city of Miami. There's about 65,000 properties, 67,000. And we were able to ask all of them, which one has an office building right now? There's about 750. And which one of those office buildings you could also do multifamily? Mm -hmm. So then there's about 675. And out of those, which ones have an exact um, ratio of units allowed area required mm -hmm. to the existing office area? Mm -hmm. which would mean like a seamless transition from office to residential. And out of those, so 205. So from 65,000 to 205, we were able to identify the ones that you could do that conversion. And then... Can I yeah. interrupt you for a second? How long would that take without AI? It would be impossible. Without digitization, let's yeah. say. I mean, you would have to go one property at a time. Let's say it takes you 10 minutes. It's still 10 minutes times 65,000. It's a very long time. Continue. Yeah, I just wanted to. I wanted so, to give listeners an idea of how much time that does save. 
Yeah, I mean, it's instant understanding of what's possible, right? So now we have 205 uh, properties that make sense for conversion. And now we could say, okay, they're spread out across the city. Let's bring demographic data and see what are the top growing neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And in this case, most of the overlapping top growth has happened in Edgewater, Shenandoah, and downtown. Okay. So now we narrow down to, let's say, 20 of them that mm -hmm. would make sense for a demand in population. Mm. So all of that data comes together to say, okay, these are the 20 buildings we should be focusing on. And that's great for cities, that's great for developers, that's great for investors outside, like LPs looking for great projects. Sure. Um, so, so we think that this brings a lot of power uh, to, to those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you talk, have you worked with any develop, like, I guess what stage is DeepBlocks in right now? Is it being used by developers currently or are you pitching it? What's we have on? about 160 developers mm -hmm. um, using it across from smaller developers to national developers. Um, we always get asked, are there any success stories? We, we just got one actually. Awesome. Uh, because you know development takes years sometimes. Yeah. And so we, we were by the, the broker who brokered the deal. The building um, is west of Blue, Blue Marina in, in, uh, on Biscayne. It's being developed now and the transaction was done using a deep block study. Oh, okay. Um, so that's one of the cases that, that we found it's, it's now being under construction and we're very happy to see the our little 3D model versus what the architect designed, which is like nowhere near wow. um, in terms of aesthetics, but, but definitely was useful in, in finding it and creating the study. And what other cities is DeepBlocks in right now? We are live, the software is live in 125 cities wow. where we digitize the zoning there and we could do that same study of scanning and finding opportunities. Uh, we have a new product uh, that's national, that's based on demographic growth mm. and economic growth, um, and it's, it's uh, integrated with ChatGPT, oh, so okay. that it could, you know, we could begin to have conversations with this data that DeepBlocks has structured. Oh, interesting. How will that will that make the use easier, where like anybody could use it, or? Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah? So you okay. could say, I'm interested in knowing what neighborhoods are growing the fastest in population density. Uh -huh. I'll give you a map and it'll show you those neighborhoods. Mm. And then show me the race uh, change over time. So you see Hispanic uh, race is, is growing or you know what's going on with mm -hmm. the people living there. And it can show you any graph, any map, and ranking of neighborhoods and cities as well. Got it. So those layers together kind of help developers make decisions, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? Like it's all of those products kind of laid on top of each other. Exactly. So one will tell you, this is the city and the neighborhood I'm interested for these reasons. So it narrows you down to a market. And then Pro allows you to scan every property in that market and see where mm -hmm. your thesis could best uh, have the best fit. Right. Um, do you have any competitors in this space? Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, we, we're a cohort, um, I would say it's about like a dozen of us that mm -hmm. are doing different aspects okay. um, in the development process. There's um, about half are doing generative design, um, which is more focused at once you, once you select the site, what would the building look like, like what would the floor plates look like. We're very okay. excited about the advancements of those. There are also like two or three that were focused on the zoning aspect, mm -hmm. uh, for example, City Builder, uh, Land Tech, um, Archistar, 
Uh, the difference, I think, for us is that we're still the only ones that have baked in the zoning into every single parcel and the only ones who could do a, a, a city scan mm -hmm. for these kinds of opportunities at this point. But mm -hmm. I mean, we're all moving in that direction. And this is sort of a broad question, but I'm curious because it seems like, you know, you, you do have all of these contemporaries in the space and everyone's doing their own thing. Do you see in like five years that all of these different technologies sort of being mushed together into like one product? You see mergers happening? I know that's sort of like a far out question, but... It's not, it's not. It's, no? it's okay. happening. Um, there's mm. been a few acquisitions mm. on... Um, on zoning, like companies that have zoning operations. Mm -hmm. One just happened by Esri in Canada. Um, City, what is it called? Radio City was just acquired. Another zoning company was acquired by um, Icebox. Okay. Um, and and so what we're what we're what I'm thinking is these giant companies. I'm not going to say any names, not to upset anybody, or because I don't know what their plans are. Sure. They'll be acquiring the smaller startups that are ta targeting development specifically because they don't have that piece. Mm -hmm. um, and it'll be a large market, especially once construction starts to happen again. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I don't think that real estate tech is immune from M&A in the startup you know, world in general. <laughs> I no, think. and it's welcome, yeah. I think, because these giant companies have tons of data, national data, national access, right. so it can make any you know, these smaller software super powerful and impactful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I know my landlord, um, and I won't give it away, but I will <laughs> say that my landlord, who is a big institutional landlord, is very pro um, prop tech and I feel like honestly every week at this point I'm getting a new like sensor installed <laughs> and oh, I'm like awesome. you know what that, it's great honestly because they have so many properties and it's it seems so scalable well that that touches a little bit into what the future looks like right mm. because um, with when when you look at no technology is in the side um, so we have to look at what's happening with blockchain, what's happening with the Internet of Things, what's happening with the digitization of transactions. Mm -hmm. And so every building, the more information, the more transparent they could be, the more access to capital they'll have in the future. Mm -hmm. um, because once you can uh, transact titles over the blockchain and fractional pieces of buildings over the blockchain, we'll be able to buy buildings like we buy stocks in a company. Wow. So the Whole more new world. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. totally. Uh, there's a great company, Proppy, that's mm. already doing that for mm. residential. Um, so the more we do that, the more we need to show the public how this building is operating. Mm. So the more sensors we have, the more transparent we could be, and those buildings will thrive um, much faster than the ones that are hiding their operating expenses or hiding their rent rolls. Um, and, and so that's the beginning of that. Mm -hmm. Whoever your uh, landlord is, very intelligent, I think, forward thinking. <laughs>